Good evening, my name is Jason, the staff pastor here at Grace Downtown, and we are so glad that you've chosen to worship with us tonight. If you are new here, we want to give you a special welcome. If you're new to town, welcome to town. We're glad that you're here. If you would stand with me, and we will have our scripture reading for tonight's sermon. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 9 through 16. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. Thank you, Jeff. As Jeff just read, we are opening up Ephesians chapter 4 tonight. If you are new here, you've come at a good time because we are talking about what it means to be the church of God and what it means to really follow Jesus. We believe that here at Grace Community Church, God has given us an opportunity to be on mission for him this fall and welcome people to town and welcome people into our lives and share the good news with them, the good news of what Christ has done for them, the good news of what we just celebrated at the communion table. But before we know the good news that we have to share, we need to make sure that we understand it ourselves and not just understand it cognitively, and get to a place of cognitive assent to it, but really we want to take a look at what it looks like when we live out the good news of the gospel. And tonight we're talking about a particular aspect of that, a very important aspect of that, and that's gospel community. What does it look like to live in biblical community with one another? What does it look like to love one another in such a way that the outside world looks at us and says, they are Jesus' disciples. There's something different about them. They must know good news. What does it look like to be a gospel community? That's what we're talking about here tonight. This is on the heels of talking about what it means to know and live out gospel truth. We looked at Colossians 3 that says that we are hidden with Christ in God. We talked about the very heart of what the gospel is and what it means for our life. Last week we looked at at Acts 10 and looked at how the disciples, the apostles, wrestled with Gentiles coming into the faith and how they had to look into the depths of the gospel in order to know how to welcome others in and be on mission for Christ and to obey what Jesus said when he said to go and make disciples. Tonight we look into Ephesians chapter 4 that describes for us what a biblical community looks like. And as we read these passages, we see that a biblical community is not just a group of people that meet in a building at the same time every week. There's people that meet in buildings at the same time every week for a number of purposes. 
There's people that meet together for clubs. There's people that meet together and cheer on their favorite football team. There's people that meet together and go to class. There's people that meet together and they work on their task. So what is unique about the biblical community outside of the large group gathering? That's what we see as we open up the scriptures. First, I'd like to lay a foundation for why gospel community is important. Why is gospel community important? Number one, we need help. We need help. None of us is a finished product. Jesus does not save us and then we are a finished project. When Jesus comes into our life, when the spirit of the living God comes and lives inside of us, it makes us spiritually alive, but it doesn't make us perfect. There's something that still needs to take place. Sanctification needs to take place. The the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. And in order to do that, we need help. So biblical community is important because we need help from others. There are things that we need help with that we need to receive from the biblical community. We can sit and listen to a sermon. We can sit and decide whether we assent to the truths being proclaimed in the sermon. But in order to grow, in order to live those things out, we need to be in biblical community. We'll talk more about the nuts and bolts of that as we go throughout the sermon here. Number two, why is gospel community important? The good news and the beauty of who God is is ever unfolding. In Ephesians 3, Paul writes that the Gentiles coming to faith shows the manifold or the constantly unfolding multi-dimensional love and wisdom of God. As more and more people come to the faith and they live in community with one another, it shows the full beauty of the gospel. The idea is the outside world would see the biblical community and say there's something different about them. There's something beautiful about the gospel. As the world sees some from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people coming together in community with the only thing they have in common is Jesus, they say there's something different about them. And people see the beauty of God's kingdom when they look at the church. Number three, why is gospel community important? It provides a picture of the good news for others. As we live in community with one another, as we forgive one another, as we serve and minister to one another, the outside world sees that and says, I've never seen anything like that. I don't have friends like that. I don't have community like that. I don't have support like that. So why is gospel community important? We need help. The good news and beauty of the gospel and God is huge And it provides a picture of the good news for others. So if we are in gospel community, what will it look like? We find right here in Ephesians 4 what gospel community looks like. So that's how we'll spend the rest of our time talking about what does gospel community look like and how do we go about having it in our lives. But before I do, I want to do a little bit more of a preamble. There's a mistake that we make, at least I have made, and the churches I have grown up in make, and for a number of years as I read this scripture, when we open up passages like Ephesians 4, we're going to jump into it, and maybe as Jeff read it, you already did this, we start looking through the list of gifts that God has given, and we start looking for ourselves, right? We start trying to figure out which one we are. We start trying to figure out what our spiritual gift is and we start thinking about our place in the body. That's the wrong focus 
as we jump into this text. This text is picturing a body coming together. People that are different parts, people that have different backgrounds and different stories and different gifts coming together to form one community and one body. So as we jump into this, you may be able to think about how God has gifted you, but let's think about how we're connected to something bigger than ourselves, namely the body of Christ. So if we are a gospel community, number one, God will be the focus. If we are truly a gospel community, God will be the focus. As I said earlier, people gather together in quote-unquote community for a number of reasons. Next Saturday, there's going to be dozens and dozens and thousands and thousands of people coming together all for one purpose, and that's to cheer on the Hawkeyes. People come together for one purpose often, but in gospel, biblical community, God is the focus. And just as the stands at, at Kinnick Stadium are all in a circle so everyone can have a view of what's going on down on the field, we gather together in biblical community in groups large and small to look up to God. He is the focus of biblical community. In and of ourselves and in our flesh, we are naturally narcissistic. We think about how everything impacts us. Even on a good day, we are very self-centered. We wake up in the morning thinking about what we want, what we need, and how soon can I get the coffee into my mouth. This morning was a very sad tale. I had already had coffee early in the morning, and that was no problem. But I went for a run, and I came back, and I was getting the coffee ready so I could have cup number two for me and cup number one for my wife. And I had just gotten everything together, and I almost pushed the button but then I heard my toast pop up, and so I turned around, and then boom, power went out. Before we could get the coffee going, the power went out. We naturally think about what's going on in our day and how everything is impacting us. Our bent towards narcissism and self-focus is something that comes so naturally to us, and we do because we think it will make us happy, but in the end, it only ends up destroying us. Here in this scripture, we see God's antidote for narcissism, and it's having a focus on him. Look with me at verse 10. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Speaking of Christ. He equips the saints in verse 12 for the building up of the body of Christ. It's Christ's body that is being built up. It's Christ who has the supremacy. It is God who is the focus of the biblical community. We come together and we worship him in groups large and small. We study the Bible in groups large and small. We minister to one another in groups large and small so that God would become more and more the focus of our lives. Number two, if we are a gospel community, then Christ is the head. Christ is the head. Scripture tells us that he is the firstborn among many brothers. Scripture tells us that in him all things hold together. He is the good news that we have to share with one another and the outside world. 
Jesus is the head of the body. Jesus is the cornerstone that the church is built on. Jesus is the one that our lives are to be about. Again, Colossians 3, we are hidden with Christ in God. Christ redeems a people unto himself. Christ sits on the throne of a kingdom in which he is the one true king of all kings. Look with me at verse 13, until we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Paul is saying here in verses 12 and 13 that the ultimate goal in the church is that we would be built up and equipped to grow into the fullness that is in Christ that we would know more and more and more of Christ, that our lives would be less and less about us and more and more about him. It's the chief end of our lives to know and be filled up more and more with Christ and what he has done. If we continue on through verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ grow more and more up into the head. We build more and more of our life on the foundation of what Christ has done. Tonight, you're going to hear a testimony before someone is baptized. And the hero of every testimony, the hero of every baptism story, the hero of our lives is not us. It's Jesus. If we are a gospel community, number three, we are a body. We are a body. We fit together in the body of Christ. We will never find our true purpose in life in our own autonomy. We first have to realize that we are hidden with Christ in God. Christ is the head of all things. He fills all things. But then the other thing we realize is that our life, it was never meant to be disconnected from God or others. Our lives are designed to be connected in a biblical community. As I said earlier, as you read through these gifts and offices of the church that verse 11 lays out for you, it's very tempting to want to go through the list and figure out what they all mean and which one you are. I don't know if you've ever taken a spiritual gifts test. A spiritual gifts test, if you grew up in the church, you've probably taken one. Some of them just have these uh, seven or so gifts that are listed here. Others expanded out. I took a spiritual gifts test once that had 25 spiritual gifts, and one of them was craftsmanship, of which I got a zero, in case you were wondering. I think I have some other gifts, but that's not one of them. As we read things like this, we tend to think about what is my gifts? What is my part? What do I have to contribute? When we think about happiness, we think about autonomy, about what we can get, what we can experience, what we can attain. Sometimes we get competitive or we get very focused on our career, our education. We think, what can I achieve? What can I grab? What can I accomplish? What notoriety can I have? And we get very focused on us. But God's word describes us as being connected to Christ. And if he is the head, we are connected to something bigger than ourselves. We are connected to a body, a family, a spiritual house that is bigger than just our little world. 
Paul Tripp writes about how sin shrinks our world down into a man-made size room where everything that happens in the world is about how it affects us and it shrinks our world down until it crushes us. Our desire for autonomy only leads to destruction. If we are a gospel community, number four, it will take action. It will take action. It's been said you do not drift towards a holy life. It can also be said that you do not drift towards deeper levels of community. Friends, I I have to confess that it is much easier from the get-go, it is much easier from the outside looking in to just come in each week, sit in the back of the service, and slip out before it's over and not ever meet anyone. It's much easier and more convenient to watch a sermon online than putting pants on and going to church. It's much easier to think about how everything impacts your faith and sometimes it's much harder to think about being connected to something bigger or being known or knowing others. To be a biblical community, it takes action. We have to act against our own tendencies to be narcissistic and self-centered and to shy away from being known. It takes action to know others and to be known by others. So in order to be a biblical community, we can't just all show up at the same time in the same building. It's going to take some intentional action. So if we are going to be this biblical community, if we are going to be what God's word says, what will it look like? What will it look like? In light of these four things we've talked about, here are some things that God has brought to my mind. Number one, if God is the focus, we will worship through lament and joy. We will worship through lament and joy. We read in scripture that the biblical community rejoices with those who rejoice and mourns with those who mourn. That means that we share and celebrate one another's joys and wins and successes and fruits and accomplishments and blessings. And it means we lament one another's loss and hurt and suffering and sin. We worship through lament and joy in groups small and large. We really know one another and know what's going on in one another's lives. I have had many moving experiences in worship services before where the spirit is moving or emotions are moving or both or you're maybe on a trip at a retreat at camp on a missions trip and it's just an incredible time of worship where it's deeply meaningful for you as an individual. I have many, many instances like that. But none of them compare to the time since I have become a pastor and a counselor when I am worshiping in a group of people and I see someone just unabashedly worshiping God and I know their story. I know what they've overcome. I know their testimony. I know what they've been through. I know what they struggle with. I know what kind of week they've had and still they are lifting their hands to the one that is worthy of praise. That is the most meaningful worship I've ever experienced. If God is the focus of our lives and the focus of our biblical community, we will worship him through lament and joy with one another. 
If we are a gospel community and Christ is the head, number two, we will believe in the gospel for ourselves and we will extend it to others. A biblical community, a gospel community, a good news community does not just cognitively assent to the good news of the gospel. They believe it and they live it out and they share it and extend it to others. I have heard before that And now I've stolen this and I implement it into premarital counseling and marriage um, wedding ceremonies that I do. But I heard a pastor once say that being married is forgiving one another forever. Biblical community is the same. It's not just a bunch of shiny, happy people holding hands. It's not just a bunch of people that have the same interests, that always get along. It's about people that are willing to really know one another and speak the truth in love to one another so that we grow in every way into him who is the head into Christ. A gospel community believes the good news for themselves and then they extend it to others. They remind one another of the good news when there is sin and suffering and struggle and temptation and hurt. We remind one another of the good news that we have believed and received for ourselves. Number three, what does the gospel community look like? If we are a body, then we will minister to one another. A biblical community ministers to one another. A worship service is when someone comes up and preaches, someone leads us in music, we pray, we say, go in grace, we'll see you next week, and we all leave at the same time. That's one way to be ministered to. But biblical community is a group of people that is ministering to one another based on their gifts and experiences. It is ministering to one another in groups large and small. It is being in close enough relationship with one another that we can minister to one another. One of the goals that I have for this church is that we would never have to have a meals ministry or a moving ministry or any kind of benevolence ministry because we would all be in such close range relationships with one another that we would be meeting one another's needs. That the family of faith would be putting their money where their mouth is and their time where their mouth is and really loving one another. And let me tell you, we are well on our way to being that kind of a church. I most often find out about a need in this church when it has already been met by someone you know in this church. That's what biblical community looks like. And it's something the world doesn't have. The world is every man, woman, and child for themselves. Through Christ, we rejoice with those who rejoice, we mourn with those who mourn, and we move when others move their junk across town for the seventh time in seven years. Just for instance. People move a lot in this town. My, we helped a friend move yesterday, and my kids said, when we moved, did you pay everyone that helped us move? I said, well, well no, it was just our friends that, that helped us move. And my 11-year-old said, I wish you got paid for helping people move. I'd be a millionaire by now. <laughs> if we are a gospel community, we will minister to one another. And lastly, what does the gospel community look like? If it takes action, it means we will not be static, but we will be continually growing. 
continually being challenged to live out our faith, continually being challenged by other brothers and sisters in Christ. I am not always the one up here preaching, but I am often the one up here preaching. But I can honestly say that time and time and time again, I am challenged to grow in my faith because of all of you. The things I see you do, the things that I hear you say, the things that you say to me is constantly challenging my faith and constantly drawing me closer and closer to the heart of God through the work of Christ. That's what a biblical community looks like. Again, it's not a static group of people that just meets in the same building and leaves with their maybe emotions stimulated or their minds stimulated or something to think about or maybe a few more friends. It is a group of people that is constantly growing more and more into the stature of the fullness of Christ. So this is what a biblical community looks like. This is what I hope that it looks like at Grace Community Church downtown. When we meet on Sunday evenings, we have a unique opportunity here with the large group of believers to worship God with a larger group of people. As I said earlier, what a blessing it is to come together and worship together and worship and see how different people worship and worship as we serve and worship as we take communion, worship as we see baptisms and we give glory to God for how he has saved lives. We have opportunities here to fellowship with people that we may not otherwise fellowship with in our normal rhythms of life. When we gather here on Sunday nights, we have an opportunity to serve in unique ways. People set up the chairs tonight that you are sitting on. People are watching kids right now down in the nursery. There are skilled musicians that lead us to the throne room of God through music. There are people that are running the sound. There are people doing all these different things and providing a unique opportunity for us to minister to one another. The large group gathering provides some unique opportunities that you can only do in a large service. It's easy to lose sight of that, but boy, it sure became crystal clear when we did not meet as a large group for 20 weeks. Could you feel it in your guts? I could feel it in my bones, just the desire to be together. Nothing changed about the good news of the gospel. Nothing changed about who God is, but there was a void there when we were not meeting in person due to the pandemic. The large group comes together and more and more and more people are equipped to know the good news, to share the good news, to live out the faith the way God has called us to. Then we gather in biblical community. We gather in smaller groups because there are certain things you can only experience in a smaller group of people. There are certain ways that you can only minister to others and be ministered to in a small group of people. That's how I've had the opportunity to have you all speak into my life. I mean, you can speak into my life right now, but it might be a little bit awkward. But in the context of biblical community, I've had the opportunity to have you speak into my life, speak into my kids' lives. 
in biblical community, in smaller groups, we have the opportunity to know one another, be known by others, know other people. We have an opportunity to minister to one another in very unique, practical, and time-bound ways. Things that are going on in our everyday life. Others can minister to us through those times or help us carry the load as we are in biblical community with one another. The main expression of this that we have here at Grace is community groups, small groups of people that meet throughout the week. Uh, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, there's groups that meet all over our community. And in Coralville, there's a couple groups that meet here. That is the main expression of it, but that is not all we need. We need to be in close relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ so we can remind one another of the good news. We cannot do everything that the scriptures command us to do by just coming to a large service. We have to be in close proximity to one another to even obey the commands of the New Testament. But we also have the opportunity to see more and more of the fullness of who Christ is and what he wants to do in our lives. I want to encourage you to get into biblical community. If you're already in a community group, I want you to consider what does it mean to be known by other people? What is holding you back from really being known by those that are in community with you? I would encourage you to press into that. Because of the good news of who Jesus is, we should have nothing to hide. Because Jesus takes sinners like you and me and radically changes them. I want to encourage you to consider to lean into the community that God has already given you. If you're not in biblical community, if you're not in a dorm Bible study, if you're not in a group of people that really know you, if you're not in a community group, if you're not in a regular Bible study where you're regularly growing with other believers, I want to encourage you to seek that out. A way that you can do that is going to our offering box. It's a big black box in the back. It has a convenient sign on top that says offering box. There's also cards on the side of that. You can grab those cards and fill out the connect card and drop it in the box and we will get in contact with you and we will get you into a community group right away where you can meet with other believers who are seeking to know more and more what it means to grow up into the fullness of Christ. As we enter into the fall, we are going to be starting an evangelistic sermon series in two weeks. Next week will be kind of a a one-off sermon uh, from Pastor Brooks, our lead pastor. We're one church with multiple congregations, and he is going to be sharing a message with us uh, that God has laid on his heart next week. about spiritual warfare. We're going to talk about that. And then the week after that, we are starting an evangelistic series called Encountering Jesus. Searching for answers. As people, as our culture is searching for answers to all of life's questions, we believe that those are found in Jesus. We believe that those are found in Jesus's encounters with people in the Gospels. So each week, we are going to go through and look at different encounters with Jesus, and we are going to challenge us as believers to know how to better encounter and have a conversation with those that don't know Christ. And we are going to 
put out there some great apologetics for the faith. As people have these encounters with Jesus, what does it look like? What does he have to say to people in different phases of life or different uh, positions in life or, or different places in what they're going through? So I want to encourage you to uh, not just look forward to what you're going to learn in that series, but be thinking about who you can invite to come with you to hear about how Jesus loved real, broken, sinful people like you and me. Would you pray with me? God, before we go any further tonight, we want to ask you to help us to live out the things that we have talked about here tonight. God, it is so easy to sit in a sermon and to think about all the things we want to change or all the things we know about you or all the things we want to do differently and that willpower just dissipates as the week goes on. God, would you give us strength to do what you have said? Would you give us strength to obey your words? Would you fill us with your spirit? Would you empower us to live out the good news of the gospel? Would you minister to us through others? Would you give us opportunities to minister to others as well? God, thank you that you have given us the biblical community to rejoice with and to mourn with and to share the burdens with of this life. God, thank you for how this biblical community has ministered to me and my family in countless ways. And God, we look forward to seeing what you do in us as we are equipped to do the work of ministry. Uh, God, we pray that we would grow up and experience the fullness which is in Christ, who is the head of the body of Christ. God, we worship you for all that you have done for us and because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.